Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Welcome to the Ninth Tee Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Paisley, joined once again by the one, the only, Ben Harper at womansgolf.com. Mr. Ben, how are you? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for that awesome introduction. I'm doing well, though. How are you doing? The introduction is not awesome enough for the legend that is Ben Harper. I'll, I'll work on it for next time, but I'm doing all right, Ben. Doing all right. Excited for the 49th edition of the ANA Inspiration, hosted once again at Mission Hills Country Club, the Dinosaur Course, home of Poppy's Pond. And that jump is going to be well appreciated with how hot it is this week. Whew! You look oh at the forecast? Goodness. I have seen it, and I've seen it shared by a few people that are already there in uh, Mission Hills, or uh, there in uh, Palm Springs area. Oh my goodness. It's going to Hot. be, it, when most people listen to this on Monday, it's going to be 120 degrees. 120. <laughs> Yo, honestly. 112 on Tuesday. A measly 100 degrees Wednesday. 103 Thursday. 106 Friday. 106 Saturday. 108 on Sunday. Poppy's Pond's going to be boiling. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's what I was thinking. It's like, it's going to be more like a hot tub they might have to put some ice cubes in there or something i don't know (laughs) i don't know if if they have temperature control or what but uh, it's gonna be hot Uh, and the tour did recognize this it's gonna be unique golf tournament with caddies being allowed to take carts and this is really interesting to me because while for the a and a inspiration this is a very odd time to have it pretty much every year it's late March, early April. Q-Series Stage 1 has been at this course for quite a while, and it is hosted in September. This is not new territory for the LPGA to have a tournament here. and They have not had caddies take carts for Q-Series. So it's very interesting. It's the right thing to do to allow caddies to have carts in this insanely high temperature, but it's also something to consider to bring to Q-Series Excuse me, Q-Series is the final one. It's just stage one of qualifying. Q-Series is the stage three. Let me get my terminology right. But stage one <laughs> has it here. And that the it's so... It's not a unprecedented event to have it. And the fact that they don't necessarily have caddies on carts at stage one might also be something to consider going forward. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Because... But it is interesting, though, if you think about the field size, because I think, isn't it closer to like 300 players start out at, uh, during stage one? Yeah, di- the, the Dinosaur Dino course is one of the courses they use during stage one. You play a rotation of courses around Mission Hills Country Club. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree, though. Carts is going to be uh, something they should consider for the first stage of qualifying. Uh, and this year... Do we know, will carts be allowed, like, all the way to the ball? So we're going to have some carts going through fairways and, and things like that, or it'll be, like, cart path only, which doesn't seem logical because 
if you ever played Carpath only, it almost would be faster usually to just walk. Yeah, it, that is true. I didn't even think about like carts and fairways as an aesthetic. I was almost mentally picturing it as just the cart path, but that wouldn't make sense, and that's not the case. It's going to be really odd on TV to see it too. Granted, what's going to be even weirder on TV is the 18th without the grandstands. You're going to see water on the backside of the green instead of the grandstands to take aim at. So plenty of unique visuals this year in some September Rancho Mirage golf. It's uh, there's go, there's a lot of adjustments to be made. You're right. And will that change up? So I'm thinking about past tournaments, you know, some players might be that grandstand. I recall lots of drops from balls up against that grandstand, you know, balls that, that were stopped. I don't know if they would necessarily go into the water, but you know, that may change the approach to how the 18th is played, at least for some players. The miss long is certainly going to be more punishing now without the grandstands, but the miss still remains long because sources report that the miss short is water. That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fact. Do we have any Ben Harper and caddy sources on how it is down there in Rancho Mirage? Well, I was talking to one of my friends just a couple days ago who was in California Jesus Moto, who's the caddy for Mi Young Lee, and he he'd been staying in San Diego during this off week, and he just arrived there at Mission Hills a couple days ago, and he said it was uh, he sent me a picture. It was seventy two degrees Fahrenheit when he left uh, San Diego, and by the time he arrived in uh, at Mission Hills, it was a one hundred and eleven degrees Fahrenheit. So um, yeah, I think. I think that uh, it's interesting to see how many how many players have and caddies and are getting there early to kind of I think you kind of need to get acclimated to this. There's some people, some players that have already like their homes are they might be in the Phoenix area or in the desert. It's already hot or Texas. It's, it can be pretty hot. Florida can be too, but it's not 100 and what it's going to peak at 108 degrees during tournament play. Like I don't think anyone is is used to that yet. So. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a shock for quite a few people. I mean, everyone knows it's going to be there, but once you get there and actually play, like, I think it's people are in for a surprise. Yep. I mean, <laughs> the surprise might be an understatement, more like a, <laughs> a steam bath. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I think about it, surprise, no one's going to be surprised. It's just more like a shell-shocked situation, like your body, as far as your body actually being ready for it. I think that's where the surprise is. Not mentally. Like, you know it's going to – everyone knows it's going to be hot. But getting used to it. And though they are professionals. They've played in, in hot weather before. But the carts are going to be a big help to the caddies because lugging around those big, heavy tour bags, it can – it does take a toll. It does take a toll. And another benefit in terms of heat stroke prevention for the caddies is they don't have to wear the ANA bibs, you know, or the ANA suits. They're wearing bibs this year instead, as you see at most tournaments, instead of the full white jumpsuit that has been a brand of the ANA inspiration. But you know who's also missing out on the heat? 
is still some of the top talent in the world. Jin Young Ko will not be defending her 2019 ANA Inspiration title. Jung Eun Lee 6, not on the field. So Young Yu, not on the field. Hyoju Kim, not on the field. MJ Her, not on the field. So some top talent still not in the field, but making her LPGA debut post-COVID-19, Sung Hyun Park. Excited to see her back. She's back. She's honestly, over the last, well, it seems, has to be at least four or five years now, but she's been showing up on the the major stages, uh, playing well in big events. She has not played a lot this year, even during her time in Korea. So I'm just really interested to see, you know, how her game, how her game is. And uh, it is, it is exciting to see some of the top players, you know, kind of continue to get back into these events. Yeah. The 2018 KPMG women's PGA championship winner and the 2017 U S women's open champion cult majors under the belt. That's a good thing for winning another. Yeah, we She's... forgot one of our one of our rules, Kent. Whenever we're introducing someone who's a major champion, it's major champion, Sunghyun Park. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that. Uh, that's a yellow card that's deserved. Uh, if I get another one, you got the rest of the podcast yourself. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Park's got two top tens and four appearances at the ANA. Her best finish is tied for six in 2016. She had one of her worst major performances last year. She was tied 52nd. Just felt like a a random outcome for her for someone so consistent at the majors. And she hits the ball a long ways. And that's really important at the Dinosaur course because the rough is so punishing that if you're able to hit it far enough up and have a shorter iron in, you can compensate for the fact that the rough is as punishing as it is. And that's, that gives Park a chance, regardless of where her game is, as long as she's put it in play. Right. She's, she's in a, a pretty explosive player. When she gets going, like, she can really get going. So it, it will it'll be key. Like, if she's, if she's hitting fairways, definitely expect her to be near the top contending. And I had to you know, tee up your first uh, player to watch, Ben, but who else do you've got? Well, coming off of our last LPGA tournament at the uh, Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship, Anna Norquist, while while the finish wasn't you know how she wanted, I am excited to watch her play this week because she she's been trending, she's been playing well, coming off a really good finish there, run-up finish, and she's someone who is acclimated to the, to the desert. She lives in Scottsdale, plays a lot of golf in hot weather, desert golf. Like I, and she's played well at this event in the past as well. So I'm, I'm watching her. I'm watching her this week. Ben, you call me out on the major champion rule and break <laughs> it yourself two minutes later. It's <laughs> not only one, it's two. Two-time major champion, Ann Orquist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... In terms of 
I don't know if it's fair to call them collapses, but players who were in the league who let the league go so far this year. Celine Boutier at Inverness Club. Lydia Ko at Marathon. Anna at Walmart. We haven't seen Celine or Lydia bounce back and be in the lead again on Sunday, which is a very tall order to ask, but it's also hard. Right? Those opportunities don't come around every day, and when you have a moment like that, it's going to knock your confidence a bit. So, still waiting for that turnaround, and who knows if that'll be Anna this week. Right. And I do think that something that is unique compared to Celine and Lydia that you brought up is that there was this week off, kind of to, I think everyone was, it was a strong five week stretch to start having a week to process unwind rest a little bit reflect and then maybe it's a better opportunity for her to kind of okay take just take the positives from that week and turn it around and and play some more good golf this coming week and she may have been just dropped it exhausted she played five straight weeks so yeah exactly that's that's pretty exhausting so, another player I'm I'm excited to watch this week, who hasn't necessarily played great. She didn't win last year, which is a little surprising. But Aria Jutanigarn. I just have a good feeling about Aria this week. I know that you know you're a kind of a you're a statistical guy. You like to look at the stats, and I I definitely put a lot of value in those. But I'm also someone who kind of like that good feeling. It's like I have a feeling about something. Okay. I just feel I just feel good about May this week. Her her track record. Let's see. I'm looking at her track record at Mission Hills. She finished fourth in 2016. She finished high eighth in 2017. Tie fourth in 2018. Not quite as well last year. A little bit of a down year for her, but. She has, she does, she has played really well at this golf course in this tournament in the past. And I think another player, you know, she came back, got, got her feet wet, uh, without a better way to say it, but playing in Scotland, she played two events in Scotland. And then, um, now she has another, a week off at home. Well, she did. That's true. She did miss the cut in Arkansas. So that doesn't necessarily uh, bode well as far as like someone that's going to play well in a major in the next tournament. But I think that going home, she got to go back home to Orlando, which she hasn't been, you know, been back there since March. Getting to refresh and just kind of get that mindset right. And I think she has some good golf ahead of her this, this week. Well, Ben, this is your second yellow card. It's been a pleasure podcasting with you. I'm going to take it over the rest of the way. That is major champion, Ariel Tanagar. <laughs> Once again, a two-time major champion. <laughs> I am so sorry, Aria. <laughs> two-time major champion, Ariel Tanagar. Have to add Quite her next time. Could be three-time. Yeah. Quite possibly. Three-time major champion by the by a week from today or a week from when we record this but <sighs> thanks for keeping me honest Kent. that's what i'm here good for. luck with the rest of the episode yeah thank you um 
I guess I'm gonna have to add my own laugh tracks to my own jokes. But uh, yeah, she the again similar to Sung Hyun, kind of a strange performance last year relative to how she's done. She'd finished in the top twenty five in every single appearance at the Dinosaur Course before the T sixty one out of nowhere, and it's. You know, area being so long, again, there's such a correlation between length and your ability to manage this course when it plays so long. It played at 68, 74 last year. That's There's a lot of value there. And, you know, one of my favorite stats when I'm betting is you don't want to pick a player who missed the cut in their previous start because 88% of winners made the cut the week before. But of those 12%, the most of them were players who were top of the world who could bounce back. So to your credit, Aria would be a player who might break that mold. But also, we haven't seen her win since 2018. And she's very streaky. So I want to see her playing well before I think she has a chance to find the winner's circle. So effectively, Ben, I'm calling you on your second yellow card, and I think you're wrong. <laughs> and you know what? That's That's fair. That's fair. Like I I'm, said, I'm prepared to eat crow if I'm wrong here, but that's that's the, that that's I, the Paisley take. The the pick, the picking area may not be. Uh, it doesn't fit any statistical uh, prediction, or probably it'd be very unlikely based on statistics of the past. But I'm just telling you, I have I have a good feeling. I'm not going to say she necessarily wins. Nope, you know what? I, I think she has a great chance of winning. That's that's where I'm going to leave it at, though. We make a lot of inadvertent Pitbull references on this podcast. <laughs> Got to bring in good feeling. Do <laughs> 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 oh, you have a good feeling about your next pick? Yes. this is. I'm feeling very good about this pick. Lizette Salas. Lizette, right now... She has a top 20 streak going in majors, dating back to last year's AIG Women's Open. So, no, take that back. Going back to the KPMG Women's PGA in 2019. So she finished tie fifth at the KPMG Women's PGA. She finished tie 13th at the Evian Championship. She finished second at the AIG Women's Open last year. And then at the AIG Women's Open this year, she finished tied 19th. So she has a good run in the majors going for it. And those are all very different golf courses that she played on and played well at. And one of the keys to that, uh, one of the, the big key to Lizette's success is her consistency off the tee. She's currently sixth in driving accuracy this year, hitting 81.82% of her fairways. And it's a small sample size, so if you want to look at a full season, in 2019, for the whole season, she was also sixth sixth in driving accuracy, hitting almost uh, the same percentage, 81.91% of her fairways. So you talked about the penalizing rough. Yeah, distance is, gonna, is a big advantage, but also being in the fairway is a big advantage. And if you're in the fairway, giving yourself great opportunities to get into the uh, get into these greens at Mission Hills, 
you know, that's really important. And she's been carrying I mean, a lot of confidence from her success in the majors recently. And she's also back in her home state of California. And while, while there may not be, this is an event where normally she has a lot of familial and friend support like on site. And that's probably, it's going to be different this year with the no fans being allowed. But I think being, having that home feeling is definitely going to be like some more positive energy for her. She finished T17 last year at this tournament. So the evidence is there to continue that top 20 streak. And it's a, we, we had a one-time winner from 2013 winning Austin Ernst at Walmart. Lizette won in 2014, the only one in her career at the Kings Mill Championship. Maybe she continues that trend of American dominance. Four of the five tournaments so far have been won by Americans. Yeah, I, I, I feel very good about Lizette playing solid this week or playing great this week. And she, the thing is, she's been knocking on the door like in 2018 and 2019. She's played some really, really good golf and just hasn't quite either closed it or quite, you know, another player might have played extraordinarily, extraordinarily well, such as Hinako Shibuno knocking in that, you know, 20 plus foot putt for birdie on the last hole of the AIG Women's Open 2019 to beat Lizette by one. Like, that was some extraordinary play from, from her to kind of take that championship win away or potentially the championship win or championship away from Lizette. So I think that if you give yourself enough opportunities, you keep putting yourself there, having a chance, eventually it's going to, you're going to break through. Lizette's definitely been knocking on the door quite a bit. Her Solheim cup partner has not only been knocking on the door, she's broken through it twice in 2020. What are you thinking about with Danielle King? Well, Danielle, Obviously, we cannot be talking about picks for any tournament right now without <laughs> mentioning Danielle. I I really like her her chances this week. Obviously, like she's won twice. Uh, was a shot or two out of a playoff in Scotland, which should have gave her an opportunity to win three straight. And another player looked just had a week off. I think that that wait, that wait, week wait, off wait, is... wait, 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 major champion, Danielle King. One of us had to save it. Continue. <laughs> major champion. <laughs> Danielle King. Wow. We're going to have to change the rule. Like it's just not been, <laughs> <laughs> we have one rule that we can't even follow it. <laughs> we can't even follow it. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, you know, she played five straight weeks as well. And I think this having that week off is important for everyone. Like just having a chance to reset mentally kind of, and physically, quite honestly, like get yourself together. And, and Danielle's mindset, I think she's a very positive, like she's in a positive mindset right now. She hates to lose. And I think this is, uh, you know, the field's getting, a little deeper as far as the number of top players that are kind of continuing to get back. I think she's, she's really wanting to take this chance to prove herself 
against the top players. And actually, right now, there's only one player technically ahead of her in the world rankings. Or there is only one player ahead of her in the world rankings. So I think she's she's going to want to show that she is deserving, and we I, I think she is, deserving of the being the top-ranked player in the tournament this year. I mean, she is the top-ranked player in tournaments this year. Jin Young hasn't been playing in them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, the ANA had not really fit Danielle's eye until last year. She had, in before 2019, in six appearances, she had two missed cuts, a best finish of tie for 26, which she did twice in 2015-2016, tie for 47th in 2017, tie for 61 in 2014. Though granted, she was not an LPG Tour member in all of those starts. And 2019 turned the corner. Finished tie for sixth. In really difficult conditions, only had one bogey through 54 holes. And I talked with her, and she mentioned that she and Ollie Brett, her caddy, had come up with a strategy, and she would be willing to share it if she won. So I'm hoping, if she wins, she'll share her strategy, and all of us can learn. <laughs> she's got some formula, and that's the benefit of playing at a tournament, where it's the same course year over year. You know, you can learn and adapt and adjust year over year. And Danielle's at the peak of her game right now. So, to your point, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention her as someone who's likely to find the winner's circle compared to the field. And a player whose first tournament victory was a major, that's someone who knows how to handle herself on the brightest of lights. Right, I completely agree. And talk about turning the corner i think that well most of the credit has to be given to her but there there's definitely the correlation i think her work with butch Harmon is is helping her not just like she mentioned links golf a couple a few weeks ago how she didn't really have like the best relationship with links golf but through working with butch he's really trying to work with her to you don't necessarily have to love it but like you know appreciate it more and understand it more and you get to a point where you kind of take on the opportunity to as a, as a great challenge, a challenge to overcome um, and conquer. And I think that mentally she's just gotten even sharper. She's always had that desire. She always has that desire to win and to not lose, but getting there's just that little something extra. Now you can just see it. Definitely confidence. Definitely has the confidence right now. And another player with a confident track record at ANA, but not playing well recently, Lexi Thompson. Yeah, Lexi, major major champion, Lexi Thompson. Got one. She, another player that, I mean, we know we know some of the history there. She's won this event. And she also had the uh, kind of rules issue that popped up and controversy that popped up uh, a couple of 2017 when So Yun Yu eventually ended up winning. I think I but, don't think we can mention that without at least explaining what that was. So okay. 2017, 17th hole round three, she marks her ball, marks it super quick, and moves the ball. She moved it like six you know, three inches left 
it, I rewatched it on the telecast. It's like, okay, in the moment, it's hard to tell, but if if someone was instant replaying it, you could see she moved it. It was a three-foot tap-in putt. So there's this rules violation that gets called in to the LPGA office, and they hear the message the next day. And she's told on the back nine Sunday that there was a two-stroke penalty for moving her ball and another two-stroke penalty for signing an incorrect scorecard because she moved her ball. So she got a four-shot penalty down the stretch of 2017 and ends up losing in that playoff to So Yan Yu, as you mentioned. And that is... That was kind of at the peak of fans calling in. You remember that really hit the PGA Tour as well? And yes, that's been sorted like out since. Yeah, that was a trend. That's been sorted out since in terms of allowing fans to be rules officials. That's and a, that's a and another memory. rule that's yeah, and another rule that's you know it's it's good moving forward. Didn't help Lexi at the time, but I believe the rules changed now too. That she would not if that something like that were to happen today, she would not receive the additional two shot stroke penalty for signing a wrong scorecard because she signed what she believed to be the it was the proper scorecard at the time. Like there wasn't intention of it. I think that rule has changed. And that would have been her second victory at the Dinosaur course. Instead she just has unfair to say just one. <laughs> she has one from twenty fourteen. Right. There's a lot of players, a lot of people that would gladly take one. <laughs> take one. And she charged on Sunday last year to finish in third place with a 67 and has finished inside the top 20 every year since that win. In fact, has finished in the top 10 outside of a tie for 20 finish in 2018. And she's always a threat at this golf course. And you would hope with a week off, another opportunity to get her game right, that she could be in a position to once again be in the hunt down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. I think that there's there's a few courses on tour that are you really could call Lexi courses. Like, she just plays them really well. Like, um, golf course, Highland Meadows Golf Club, where they play the Marathon Classic. Like, she almost always plays that golf course really well. Same thing here. And with her game being as long as she is, uh, taking advantage of par fives, she it's a golf course a tournament that there's not usually like a super low number that wins so really taking advantage of those par fives birdieing them uh she's always going to be a threat i i mean i think as long as she's playing in this tournament like she's going to be a threat to win it i i hear no lies i hear no lies <laughs> speaking of a threat to win but has not crossed crossed the major victory threshold say young kim whom we've talked about quite a bit on the ninth tee podcast but deservedly so for eight consecutive top 10 finishes and nine top 10s in her last 10 starts that's the most consistent golf of her career so far that streak includes the victory at the cme tour championship and it's not like say young has played bad in the majors. She has a top 10 finish in every single major. Tie for 8th at the U.S. Women Open 2017. Tie for 4th at the ANA in 2015. 
tie for second at the Evian Championship in 2018, tie for fourth at the Rico British Women's Open. Three, two, tie for fourth at the AIG Women's Open in 2018, and a second place finish at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship in 2015. She's been knocking on the door. And to your point about on a Norquist, you keep knocking on the door, eventually you're going to break through, and she's bringing the peak of her game to a course which, again, benefits longer hitters, and Zay Young Kim is one of them. So she's going to have an opportunity to jump into the poppy's pond and finally wash off her lack of a major championship this week. Yeah, we cannot we cannot talk about potential winners without bringing up Se Young. Because with the exception of really Danielle, who's won twice this year, uh, she's that stretch, eight consecutive top tens, you literally it's almost not possible to play better golf than that with the, you know, exception of winning. So, uh, but she did, she did get the win at the senior group tour championship, uh, last fall, like you said, but I'm definitely, I agree. Excited to see stay young teed up in another major. I think it's a great opportunity for her. Admittedly, the ANA has not treated her well since that T4 finish. Yeah. She missed the cut last year. It's going to be bring back some rookie year memories when she won three times and uh, see if she can bring that to the 2020 season. Another player, again, trying to break through to the major circle five time winner, Minji Lee. And this is a course where she's played respectably. She's been remarkably consistent. Tie for 24th in 2014. Tie for 26th in 2016. Tie for 25th in 2018. Tie for 21st in 2019. She missed the cut in 2015. And finished tie for 3rd in 2017. So it's a course where she's found success before. But for a player as talented as Lee is, a major championship is due on her resume at some point. Right. And I think the key said remarkably consistent that literally sums up Minji and Minji's play year in, year out. And she does, she knocks on the door so, so much. And she does usually break through with a win or two. And a player that's as talented as she is, and quite honestly, like as successful as she's been, a lot of people were pretty shocked that Hannah Green kind of leapfrogged her and became the first Australian to win a major championship since Kari Webb. I think most people, especially in Australia, believed that Minji would be the one to do it. But, you know, they're both. I mean, Hannah's another extremely good player. Major champion, Hannah Green. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it just shows, like, Minji has played so well for so long now even though i think she's only 24 years old another player has like been out there for so long playing and and competing and and winning tournaments it is really just a surprise it's a surprise that he won a major yet but i definitely think that a major championship is in her future and another player again this is the this is the the segment need to be titled players who should be finding a major championship on the resume soon 
Nellie Corda. <laughs> Judy Rankin was talking about her at Walmart. Again, that length, really valuable at the Dinosaur course. And Corda's game is peaking right now. Tie for 14th at the AIG Women's Open. In the hunt on Sunday at Walmart, finishing tie for third. The ANA hasn't been her best course. She finished tie for 13th in 2018, which is a good result. Tie for 52 last year. A couple missed cuts. Another finish in the 40s. So it's not necessarily the track record you want to see, but also, Court is so young, she's getting better year over year. The past performance doesn't necessarily dictate what she'll do going forward. And again, a possibility like Danielle. She's played it five times. That's that's some course knowledge at this point. And Corda probably has a better idea of what she needs to do to execute out there and be in the stretch. Be in contention down the stretch. Yeah, she keeps getting better, to be honest. And <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. He's gonna she's say the it. best she's the best club twirler in golf. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm Wow. I'm, I'm sorry to like the godfather of the club twirl, Tiger Woods, or the, the father, whatever. Nellie Corda, club twirls. I've seen her pull out bunker shots in club twirl before the ball goes to the bottom of the cup from like 20 feet away. Like I don't know how you do that, but the best club twirler in the world. Yep. She's now, also extremely good at golf. Now, while you made this take, were you twirling a club yourself? Talking about her club twirling skills. Almost. I don't have a club in my hand, but I was totally, like, practicing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, no, the, the, the point is, the fact is, if you start to see her club twirling, yo, the watch out for Nelly Corda. I'm going to... Go ahead and shift gears off of players who are looking for their first major to someone who's got got multiple. Major champion. Stacy Lewis. Last American number one in the world. Victory in Scotland this year. She won this tournament in 2011. Lost in the playoff to Brittany Linscombe in 2015. She's got five top five finishes here. That is a a track record that is difficult to deny when Lewis is playing well. And it's going to be exciting to see if the veteran can once again teach these young guns how to do it. And Stacy Lewis, mom, she just had her, her first win since becoming a mom. And, you know, unfortunately because of the global pandemic they were in right now, her daughter Chesney was not able to be there and Scotland with her to see her win. But she's made it back to the U.S., as uh, most have. And she got to see her daughter celebrate, celebrate that win. So I think even more like rejuvenation and uh, kind of that, that cherry on the top from that win. And, and maybe ready to just, I think, ready to keep continuing to play good golf. Because that's got to be a great feeling. You know, I don't have any children at this point in my life, but it has to be such a good feeling to like show your child, like, look, look what I did or look what mom did. Look what dad did in this case, mom. And uh, I imagine she's feeling very good about about her game and and doing something so special and, and having her child be able to see it. 
Now, we've talked before with regards to Lydia Ko about the Hall of Fame watch. This is going to be one of the weaker major fields that the ANA sees because of the COVID-19 pandemic and players not traveling. Is Stacey Lewis wins this. She's two-thirds the way there. A major victory. We're going to have to start thinking a lot more seriously about Stacy being able to barge through. You know, how many more opportunities is she going to have like this where the field isn't as strong? Probably not many. But if she's playing this good of golf and can stick around on the tour for a while, maybe she finds a way to barge into the LPGA's Hall of Fame. And a major victory. We're going to have to throw her on the Hall of Fame watch when she's in the 20s in points. Yeah, that's a very interesting. We, we have had the discussion in uh, little increments about the Hall of Fame and and how it's kind of set up. But, yeah, she's definitely on that that track. That should, I mean, it, it's kind of, it reminds me of, I mean, League Women's Golf for a second. Tigers, you know, trying to chase down Jack's major championship record, right? Everyone's like, well, he didn't win for almost a decade. And then he won, and all of a sudden you could start to like, well, maybe, maybe that's a possibility again. In this case, uh, with Stacy, you know, another win, all of a, it's like, okay, okay, this is a discussion we, we can start having again. And you win a major, as you've pointed out on previous podcast episodes, like, major is a big deal for lots of reasons. Hall of Fame, world ranking points. So yeah, it, it could be, that's a real possibility and real discussion we could start having. Those two pointers matter a lot when you're trying to get to 27. <laughs> yes. Gotta briefly mention the other winner. We're just talking about every winner, which is, which is completely fair. Austin Ernst. Ninth career appearance in the ANA Inspiration. Her best finish is tied for 14th in 2017. Last year finished T71. Ben, all these people we talked about didn't play well last year. <laughs> lots of high results but you know it's if you bring a new putter god i love me a two ball putter i used that so much when i was young that's one of two putters i've used in my life but uh man it's if you're confident putting this is a golf's a different game and it wouldn't be unfeasible to see ernst have a different result compared to her prior track record but you know, it's it's a major tournament. See how the confidence comes over from Walmart. Yeah, whenever it just reminds me of major champion Pernilla Lindbergh when she won the ANA in 2018. I just remember, I I don't know if I've seen anyone so confident over a putt. It seemed like she made every putt, especially. In the final round and especially in that playoff with nb park who i think in my opinion the greatest putter of all time but that confident putter it can really it's a game changer so if you're if you're feeling good and you're making putts yeah why not i mean also austin she just won she's feeling really good about the putter it sounds like a great combination heading into this particular major championship any major championship but especially this week Confidence matters at major championships. And while this is not a player whom I think is going to find the winner's circle at the end of the week, 
Andrea Lee's got a chance to end the streak of South Koreans winning the Louise Suggs Rolex Rookie of the Year award. She's been playing pretty well so far. In fact, she's in 8th place in U.S. Solheim Cup points, primarily off her top 10 finish at the AIG Women's Open. She also shot a 65 at Marathon on Sunday for her other top 10. And the fact that she's in 8th place is really impressive because those points started last year. So another opportunity for her, she played into this field for being top 20 in the money list in 2020, who did not previously qualify for the event. So her strong play is giving her another opportunity to bolster that Solheim Cup position. And if she can capitalize with the major, which again, will hammer this point home, it's worth a lot in a lot of things. Solheim Cup points, world ranking points. It's an important opportunity for. Her. Yeah, she, and she's been well. First of all, she's a really good player. I don't think she's been talked about enough, just about either by us or about in in the media, golf world in general. But she's really good, and she already has major championship experience. Even though this is her rookie year, like I remember watching her play last year at the U.S. Women's Open. Like she's she's played big events. She she's very successful playing. Her, in her college career at Stanford and in amateur golf. Um, but it's already translated to professional golf. That's that's the big takeaway here. Like, two top tens already. And I don't know she's – I don't know if she's thinking about Solheim Cup and, um, you know, world ranking and all of that at this point. I think it's probably pretty – almost impossible to not at least have that those things cross your mind, but – you know she is playing really well, and those things are inevitably like they're they're there. She's making moves, and this is a this is a great week to try and uh, improve on that even more. Speaking of rookies and non-members, Sophia Popoff, mm. controversy season. Insert sound effect here. Of you know, <laughs> just. Man, I love the notes I give our producer, Ben. That guy needs a lot of help. Um, <laughs> but I wrote last year for the LPG the explainer about Hinako Shibuno's options after she won. And how if she took membership, she'd have a two-year exemption. And this uproar over Popoff. Listen. Hate the game. Don't hate the player. You know? like, And that's what we saw. We saw a lot of game hating, and to Mike Wan's credit, Kamish, he's open to changing this in the offseason, but I'm not. It's frustrating when in the moment we're all, there are people clamoring for something when this has happened multiple times before, and that's what Wan brought up. Right. And where was it then? You know, it's fair to say this rule's a little bit screwy because a major victory, and again, it really throws it off because in an average calendar year, a does not happen after the AIG Women's Open. And this isn't even a conversation. So this is this was a curveball thrown in. And again, there are multiple things that we've talked about that the tour hasn't necessarily addressed because it's not a priority relative to keeping the players safe. For example, what are the rules for the Vare Trophy? And Say Young Kim's hunted that. And or Player of the Year. What are the rules for that one? So to try and anticipate 
a non-member winning a major, that's that was a low probable outcome and not really a valuable use of the tour's time given all these other priorities they needed to tackle. So trying to hammer the tour for not changing a rule felt pretty unfair. Right. I mean, look, the 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 guy with all the stats and talking about probability. Yeah, I mean, who I wouldn't say who would have thought because it has happened in the past. It just happened last year. Hinako Shibuno, a non-member, won a major championship. And when Angie Chun won the U.S. Women's Open in 2015, she was a non-member. And Hyoju Kim, I believe when she won the Evian Championship, was a non-member. Mm-hmm. Like, the, these, these are, this is not the first time it's happened. And I, I do think... Look, a lot of it is the time of it all. Obviously, the, the pandemic and the situation we are in, not only as a country, as a tour, but like as a world, as a global unit, things are just in a difficult. It's a difficult situation. There's not going to be any scenario where it's it's perfect. And I think some of the uproar, a lot of it, I get it, justified like. How could you not have major the only major champion this year, women's golf, not be eligible for the next major? If you break it down, like the commission, Commissioner Juan did very well on uh, um, it's on Twitter. You can find it online. But the A is the first event, the first major championship of the year, and to be as fair as possible, you know, it's not going to be fair to everyone. But they set in set rules in place. They had the field set as it would have been as everyone that would have been in the field at that time um so yeah it's not easy and i i I think with more people being at home (laughs) too being online like you had more people drawn to this particular situation with sophia and it was a big deal um because it was the first you know the women's First women's major of the year, it really kind of, it was the biggest moment women's golf this year. So there was extra emphasis on her win. So I think there was a lot of eyes already on it. And then equally, you know, when they found, whenever it came out that she would not be in this event in the two-year or five-year membership, it, it did all kind of start to rapidly accelerate. If you were in Mike Wan's shoes... Oh boy! <laughs> in this off season, you took a look at the rule. Would you make a change, and if so, what change would you make? Such a difficult question, Kent. Because first of all, it's like one of the, he has one of those jobs that I admire so much, and like I don't know if I would ever. I would have to change some things up mentally for myself to like take on a role like that, but. I think the one you really look at is is the major championships, the two-year versus, uh, exemption versus the five-year exemption. Because, like, for instance, Hinako Shibuna, when she won, she, she declined membership because she was just starting her JLPGA career. Like, her rise as a player, as a professional player, like, it was very quick. And... 
you know, do you really want to leave comfort of home and the tour that you were having success on and everything to join the LPJ where you know basically no one and you you know there's like a two-year stretch? If you had five years, does she weigh that option a little bit longer? What do you think about that? You know, it's... I think she had a pretty fair window to take on membership. She had until the last event to decide, roughly. And I think it'd be... The thing that is a little little janky, for lack of a better term, is how we define the two-year exemption. Because it's the rest of that season plus one more. So it's really two minus however many events have happened that year. So because of that, I think it should be three years with the same rule, meaning however many events are left that year plus two more if you're not a member. And Brandel Shambly on Golf Channel made a valid point that, you know, you win a, a Cy Young Award in baseball. And in fact, this happened to Tim Linscup, San Francisco Giants. You're not guaranteed five more years of starting because of that award. So exemptions are a fascinating thought. It's unique to golf. But to not go super radical and eliminate all of them, I think it's fair to put, I think, three where it's two plus whatever you have left that year. And frankly, that might be what I do with regular wins too. You know, had Yalimi know one in Portland, she was going to have the same rule where she would have one more year plus the remainder of the 2019 season, which wasn't that long with Portland. Right. So, yes, you need to keep playing well to keep your status, but also major wins need to have major positive effects for players. You know, I I do agree with you on that one. I think kind of a medium somewhere in there, because five years, quite honestly, like in golf, five years is a long time. You could maybe you could say five year exemption to the majors or and maybe that's already in place something similar to that but the to full the full tour status you're right depending on when you win if you win an event like the IG women's open is is like on the second half for sure of the of the season and like you mentioned Yalimi no in Portland if she would have won like that's the end of the year you're not really you're essentially getting one year there's really not lots of time left in that whatever season you win in unless you win like the first event of the year yeah and talked with angela stanford before the evian last year she won in 2018 and she talked about how that exemption is going to let her retire on her own terms I think there's a lot of value for a player to have that peace of mind at the back end of their career that, all right, year over year, I get to decide what I want to play. I don't have to chase the money list, you know, because I've won this big event. So I I think I'm okay with the five-year exemption for a member. It's very complex with non-members because you have to give them opportunities. And if you want to talk about other rules to change, you know, finishing top 10 in an event as a non-member should get you into the next week. That's not currently the case. Um, mm. Because a way to get membership is finishing in the top 40 on the money list as a non-member. 
and consistent top tens would give you that opportunity versus having a Monday qualify week over week. I, I like that idea too. I don't want to look. I don't want anyone to think I disagree with every. I just agree with everything that you say. But <laughs> I do like that rule. You uh, know, give give players a fair shot. You play well, and if if you're not a member and you finish top ten, it does seem like a pretty a fairly straightforward idea to allow them to get into the field at the next event. Normally, Ben, after we talk about the rules of the LPGA, we pivot to the betting corner, but there are no listed odds as of the point we're recording on Sunday afternoon. Pernilla Lindbergh was plus 22,500 when she won in 2018. And really interesting, again, value on the board. Julie Inkster was plus 10,000 last year. And we put Hall of Famers, we put respect on their name, but Julie Inkster was not 1 in 100 to win that tournament last year. So... <laughs> No disrespect to the Hall of Famer. I that that was just mispriced by the market. So be looking forward to see what what value there is out there. I would not be surprised if Lexi has some higher odds than usual because of her last few performances. And I, I'm gonna leave it out here for you, Ben. Any predictions for the ANA inspiration as we're wrapping up? Yeah, I predict that someone's going to jump into Poppy's Pond. <laughs> that is as hot of a take as that the weather would be hot this week at the end of the last podcast. My goodness. You really no, but, come uh, with the heat. You come with the heat in this segment. I brought it. I brought you it. You brought it. Um, no, I, I really, I'm feeling good about, you know, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, but, or maybe it is. I don't know. But I feel good about Lizette Salas and Danielle Kang this week. They're two good friends. Not that that has anything to do do with it, but I feel good about their chances this week. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who who handles the, the heat the best. And shout out to the caddies. Hope they all stay hydrated. Everyone, just stay hydrated. My take. We're gonna have a first time. We're gonna have a first time major winner this week. That's my prediction. And uh, that's it for this week on the Ninth Tee Podcast. Thanks for teaming up with us this week. We'll be back with analysis of the tournament on Sunday. Ben, I completely cut you off. We're running over time. Thanks for talking. <laughs> we'll talk soon, man. Sounds good, kid. Talk to you later.